1972, Joey Gallo killed in Little Italy during dinner at Umberto's Clam House. They get there by violence, and often as not, they leave by violence. Between three and five million dollars in cash and valuables was taken from the Lufthansa cargo terminal out at Kennedy Airport. I can give you guys a half a million dollars a year without a problem. New York City is a war zone for mobsters and their targets. Hello, everyone, and welcome into part six of episode 57 of The Black Hand, an organized crime history podcast. I'm your host, Bliss Grieve, and on today's show, we continue our look into the history of deputy gangs in the L.A. County Sheriff's Department. Last week, we talked about the run of two incredibly violent gangs in the Spartans and Jump Out Boys. But on today's show, we're going to be talking about the rise of one of the more recent gangs to form, and easily one of the most notorious, the East L.A. Banditos. As well as how they came to control the East Los Angeles station, and the deputies that got caught in the middle, having their careers derailed in the process. Before we get started, if you'd like to support the show, please rate it and go follow the show's Instagram and Twitter pages at the Black Ham Pod, and please feel free to reach out. Also, consider giving a little bit to the show's Venmo at the Black Hand Pod as well. But without further ado, let's get right into today's episode. To start today's show, we of course once again have to go back to the East Los Angeles station the home of the Banditos, the most recent gang to operate out of the station, and easily one of the gangs most closely resembling a street gang out of all the deputy groups in the LASD. They consist primarily of Latinx LASD personnel and allegedly do not allow women to become full-fledged members. Banditos have a common tattoo on their legs, of a skeleton with a mustache, wearing a sombrero and bandolier, holding a pistol, all of which are sequentially numbered. Members even use nicknames and wear gang-like attire when off-duty. While regularly using gang slang, such as referring to longtime members as OGs or higher-ups as shot callers. The gang targeted young Latino deputies to join as prospects who eventually become full members by serving as enforcers and carrying out the commands of the shot callers. If a deputy resists recruitment, the gang tries to roll them out, getting them to quit the station. And the current leaders of the Banditos include Rafael Munoz, a.k.a. Big Listo, Gregory Rodriguez, David Silverio, Michael Hernandez, Silvano Garcia, Vincent Moran, and Raymond Mendoza, all of whom refer to themselves as shot callers. And it was in the early 2010s that this incredibly structured deputy gang would really hit the scene in full effect. Guadalupe Lopez started her career in the department 
in 2003. She was assigned to the Los Angeles County Jail until transferring to the East LA Station in 2011, where she began training to become a patrol officer. Though she would learn from a field training officer named Eric Valdez, who deputies called the Godfather of East LA. During her first two weeks of training, Valdez assigned Lopez to work a shift with Deputy Christopher Wargo, who was a prospect for the Banditos. And it was during that shift that Lopez saw Wargo quote-unquote purchase reports, meaning that Wargo would write arrest reports for other deputies as part of his initiation into the gang. But when she asked Wargo what was going on, she was told that she was a trainee and to mind her business. Though Lopez states in her complaint that around this time, she became the subject of sexual harassment. And before long, she was informed by other women in the department that this was commonplace activity, and if she didn't comply, she wouldn't pass her probationary period, which could be extended indefinitely. Halfway through her training, Lopez was reassigned to field training officer Edwin Hernandez, likely due to a power struggle going on between FTOs Hernandez and Valdez, along with the latter's Banditos associates, which resulted in Valdez being pushed out of the gang by younger, more aggressive deputies, and he appears to currently be working as a sergeant at a different station. But Lopez's lawsuit states that the harassment continued after she complained, with her being forced to deal with at least two sexually charged incidents of harassment in less than a month. Then, in late December 2011, an on-duty Lopez reported to a priority call, and once there, Deputy Christopher Wargo drove to the location and blocked Lopez's patrol car so she couldn't move, and ordered her to get out of the vehicle. Before threatening her with what could happen if she didn't get with the program. And sure enough, things did escalate, when on January 16th, 2012, Deputy Benjamin Zaradini attempted to knock Lopez to the floor while she was carrying a loaded shotgun. She was able to maintain control of the weapon, but fell backwards into a wall, hitting the back of her head. However, in early March 2012, someone posted a phony department personnel transfer request at the East LA station with Lopez's name on it. FTO Hernandez brought the fake request to Sergeant Jennifer Barsh, who ordered Lopez back to the station at which point Lopez informed Barsh about the harassment she had been subjected to by the Banditos. So on March 8, 2012, Barsh filed a policy of equality, a practice that prohibits discrimination against county employees on a variety of bases on Lopez's behalf, and told Captain Henry Romero about the Banditos' threats and harassment. Romero subsequently offered Lopez a transfer in response, which she didn't think she deserved, 
as she had done no wrong. Also believing that she would be subjected to further harassment if she went to another area. And though she was moved to the day shift in an attempt to alleviate the abuse she was facing, she still had to work near FTO Valdez and Christopher Valent, who had been implicated in her complaint. While deputies Christopher Wargo, Benjamin Zaradini, Andrew Hernandez, and Eduardo Sanchez, who were also mentioned, were loaned out to other stations. But of course, after Lopez's POE was filed, the harassment escalated even further. According to a complaint, Lopez wasn't given adequate time to prepare administrative paperwork, supervisors at the East LA station refused to sign off on her reports, and detectives didn't file or investigate her cases. Dispatch refused to respond to her calls or provide backup, and she was regularly sent on calls with just a few minutes left on her shift. Then, on March 26, 2012, Deputy Zaradini ran Lopez's vehicle off the road, and by the end of the year, according to Lopez's complaint, the employees who had been moved as a result of her complaint were returned to the East LA station without her receiving prior notification. She immediately began to experience chest pains and shortness of breath, and was diagnosed with a stress-induced pre-heart attack condition, at which point she was placed on medical leave. And though Lopez's attempt to come back to work just over a month later, she was met with the same harassment as before and was shortly placed on medical leave once again, before finding a dead rat underneath the driver's side door of her vehicle on April 10th, 2013. In July 2013, she signed up to take the sergeant's exam, but was unable to take it because of the continued harassment. Though by August, Lopez was taken off disability leave and cleared to return to work. So she contacted the back-to-work unit, but was told that they couldn't help her and advised her to contact the station director. Lopez spoke with Sergeant Betty Lascano, who placed her on the schedule to return to work the following day. However, she was of course nervous about returning to a hostile environment, so she contacted the Association for Los Angeles Deputy Sheriffs, who also told her that they couldn't help. But before long, she would finally try to get out of East L.A. When she was later contacted by ALADS union representative Julie Petrelli, who told Lopez that East L.A. captain James Wolak was willing to send Lopez to the Cerrito station, before she replied that she would go anywhere except for L.A., resulting in Petrelli contacting her again to let her know that she would actually be going to the County Services Bureau's USC hospital location. Also telling her that she would contact Lopez again on August 11th with a work schedule. But the next time that she heard from Petrelli, she informed Lopez that she wouldn't be sending her to the hospital location after all. 
Petrelli instead scheduled a meeting between Lopez and division commander Henry Romero, who had been her captain at East L.A., and refused to accompany Lopez to the meeting or send any other union representation, telling her that she should be grateful for the meeting. During the meeting on August 14, 2013, Romero asked Lopez where she wanted to go. He showed her a transfer request form with two choices, the San Dimas or Walnut Station, and informed her that she would be put on loan to the Century Station pending the approval of her transfer, but refused to give her a copy of the paperwork. Once she arrived at the Century Station, Lopez was assigned to the Youth Activity League, which significantly impacted her career prospects, as Lieutenant David Infante, who had previously worked at the East L.A. station and knew about Lopez's complaint, made it known to Lopez's supervising sergeant, Veronica de la Rosa, that he didn't want Lopez at Century Station. Despite that, in December 2013, she was informed that if she didn't immediately request a transfer to Century Station, she would have to return to East L.A. So Lopez attempted to contact Romero about the status of her transfer, but he was allegedly unavailable. And when Lopez went to Area Command to request a copy of the paperwork, she discovered that it had never even been filed. Which was really the breaking point for Lopez who filed a complaint against L.A. County in 2014 and eventually settled for $1.5 million. But more than that, she left California altogether in an attempt to leave the trauma behind, while many of the people who violently harassed Lopez are still with the department, like Eric Valdez and Veronica de la Rosa, who were promoted to the rank of sergeant which they held as recently as 2016, as well as Joshua Smiler, Benjamin Zaradini, Andrew Hernandez, Eduardo Sanchez, and Troy Krautkramer, who were deputies as of 2019. However, Lopez wasn't the only deputy being abused by the Bandidos during the early 2010s, as Rosa Gonzalez became the latest target of the gang's harassment in December 2011, shortly after she arrived at the East L.A. station. She said under oath that in the summer of 2013, shortly after being given the day off and mentioning plans to travel to Hawaii, she received a sexually derogatory text message to a group that she was in with Deputy Jose Rano, who sent the message. Then, in 2014, Gonzalez took the exam to become a field training officer, and in July of that year, Master Field Training Officer Angelica Estrada assigned Gonzalez to be a mentor to new deputies. Before being summoned into the watch commander's office by Sergeants Hish and Florence, who were not her supervisors, just a few days later, where Hish told her, that Gonzalez had allegedly hazed a deputy, which she denies. Regardless, 
The pair demanded that she immediately resign from her monitoring position, and she was removed the following day. So around August 4th, 2014, Gonzalez filed a formal grievance against Sergeant Peter Hish, an alleged Banditos member, and Sergeant Joel Flores, an admitted tattooed member of the gang, alleging that she was subjected to gender discrimination. And though Gonzalez was transferred to the Norwalk station, no action was taken against the sergeants. More than that, despite her high test performance in the sergeant's promotional exam, she was repeatedly passed over for promotion. She even contends that Hish manipulated her score in order to keep Gonzalez from moving up in rank. But instead of investigating her claim, the department began investigating her. As Gonzalez developed high blood pressure and a heart condition, which led her to be removed from the field. She eventually filed a lawsuit in April 2016, which settled for a million dollars just three years later. However, it was on August 12, 2012, that the Banditos would pull their first major instance of violence on the streets. When they descended upon the 1300 block of South Mariana Avenue in East Los Angeles, where they detained the brother-in-law of a local nuclear physics major named Christopher Gray. At which point, several neighbors came out of their houses and filmed the incident, which shows Gray observing the arrest from a distance, when deputies Gregory Rodriguez, Monica Farias, Stephen Miller, Alejandro Lomelli, and Mark Elizondo jumped. A deputy cuffed Gray, and pushed him up against a police car, before taking his hands and bending them up so far behind his back that he could see his fingers behind his ears and tore his shoulder, before he was beat by several deputies. And though the subsequent report falsely described Gray as trying to open the door of the patrol vehicle, several videos taken at the scene show him standing several feet away from the car until he was arrested and taken into custody. Then, on October 15, 2012, Gray was detained yet again, when a deputy came to his home as Gray was moving a car into his driveway, at which point the deputies detained, battered, and searched Gray without reasonable suspicion or probable cause. Despite that, he was charged and prosecuted for intentionally obstructing a law enforcement officer from performing their duties. Though the charges were of course dismissed at a pretrial hearing by the prosecutor after reviewing the cell phone video of Gray's arrest, resulting in Gray filing a lawsuit against the county, which would settle for a little over half a million dollars. While Deputy Gregory Rodriguez was charged with perjury by the office of then-District Attorney Jackie Lacey for lying on his report, and though he was discharged from the department as a result of the charges, he was later given his job back and returned. And in his return, along with the elevation of other Banditos associates, 
solidified the gang's control over the East Los Angeles station. As they established a culture where deputies worked backwards, meaning that they arrest civilians and come up with probable cause by planting and manufacturing evidence. While Bandito's members advise younger deputies that if they steal property from suspects and later dispose of it, to make sure to be smart enough to get rid of it outside of the station. And by the mid-2010s, all officers at the East LA station were aware of the gang, and as many as 30 had raised their concerns to management. But that's really all I have for you guys today. I hope everyone thoroughly enjoyed today's show and tunes back in next week for part 7 of episode 57, where we'll talk about the most violent period in the history of the Banditos, led by Big Listo, who would really become the gang's de facto leader by the late 2010s and the carnage that it left behind. If you enjoyed today's show, please rate it and go follow the show's Instagram and Twitter pages at the Black Hand Pod. And feel free to reach out with feedback, suggestions, and comments. Also, please consider giving a little bit to the show's Venmo at the Black Hand Pod as well. But with that said, I hope you all have a great rest of your day. This is your host, Bliss Grieve, signing out. <laughs>